New car. I gotta have a new car to block for the truck, you know? Okay, go ahead, boy. I'd like to kick his ass just once. Speedy car. Speedier than that. All right, so by now you're wondering, what in the heck am I uh, doing playing little clips of Smoking the Bandit? Well, one, because I love Smoking the Bandit, and two, because it is lawyer talk Q&A, and we've had a, a question come in about speedy trial, and the first thing that uh, jumped into my head was that little scene from Smoking the Bandit. Maybe it's just a uh, some sick throwback to my childhood of watching that movie over and over on an old VHS tape that I uh, recorded from uh, the TV version. But either way, uh, speedy trial, a question has come in, uh, from a gentleman named Steve. I'm not going to use last names because I don't use last names here. There's, uh, we want to protect the innocent. Um, but Steve has some questions about speedy trial, and speedy trial is an interesting uh, topic. I've actually had it come up in my law practice in two separate occasions over the last couple of weeks also. So I thought I would take some time and really try to dig into speedy trial issues, but try to keep it simple because, like I say, almost everything can be made simple. Speedy trial is going to be a little bit of a challenge to make it simple because it is more complex underneath it all uh, than one might think. So on the face of it, it looks simple, but underneath it seems complicated. Usually on the face, things look complicated, but underneath they're simple. This is uh, this uh, is maybe a little more complex. But nonetheless, I'm going to try to tackle it here. And let's jump off with just uh, looking at the question. Um, can you please explain the, quote, right to speedy trial and how it relates to timelines that the prosecution is allowed to bring misdemeanor or felony charges against an individual? In the case of a felony especially, I don't see the benefit to a speedy trial if the prosecution has a very substantial length of time to bring charges against an individual anyway. I'm trying to understand how the timeline of when the prosecution must be commenced correlates with when the actual case must be tried. And then he references uh, a specific case, uh, State of Ohio uh, versus McGammon over in Franklin County. And in that case, uh, there was an interesting twist of procedure. Uh, the Franklin County Grand Jury returned a, quote, no bill. And as Steve points out, that has resulted in an order that says time is told for more time to investigate. And this leaves the case in sort of speedy trial, never, never land where nobody knows what's going to happen. And, and what do we do about it? All right. So let's break this down a little bit. Um, first of all, we have two different things to look at. We have both constitutional speedy trial. That is, in the Sixth Amendment, there is a constitutional right to a speedy and public trial. And in most states, Ohio included, and by the way, I'm going to focus mostly on Ohio here because we are in Ohio, uh, we have statutory speedy trial where uh, the law is spelled out in the statute, uh, the Ohio Revised Code, uh, what the timeline is for various cases. Now, it seems simple, right? I mean, for misdemeanors, it's basically for like a traffic ticket, 30 days for, and as you get more serious, it would go 30, 60, or forgive me, 30, 45, 60, 90. Uh, and then when you get to felony or felony charges after you're charged, in theory, you have 270 days. Now, if you're in jail, under the statute, you get three for one. So that complicates it a little bit, obviously. So if I have 90 days on a case, but I'm in jail, that's really 30 days they got to get it done. Um, and then if you're in, in jail on a felony for 270, that's 90 days. And uh, that seems, again, sort of simple once you stop there, but you can't stop there. And let's talk about how this works. Let's focus uh, on first things that can toll or postpone speedy trial. So say I go in and I'm charged with a misdemeanor of the first degree. The court has to give me a trial within 90 days per the Ohio Revised Code. And uh, I say right out of the chutes, I'm going to plead not guilty. I'm going to demand a jury trial, and I'm going to waive my right to speedy trial. In other words, I'm not going to uh, assert a speedy trial right. I have it, It's my right. I get to waive it as the defendant. And a lot of times lawyers will do that. We'll talk about why here in a second. 
Um, now, the other option, of course, is you say, no, I want, a I want a trial within the time provided by law. I want my speedy statutory trial. Now, the prosecutor, in theory, has to get the case to court, prove it, and we have to have a trial within 90 days. What could derail that? What, pray tell, could derail the 90-day trial? Well, there's lots of things. So if I am the defendant, let's talk about the things the defense can do. I can actually file motions to suppress. So say the police searched my car and I think they did it unlawfully in violation of the Fourth Amendment and I challenge that search with a motion to suppress. Well, that immediately tolls the time or stops the speedy trial time, the theory being that I have created an event. I have challenged something that now has to delay the proceedings while we resolve my challenge. So that will toll time during the um, period in which it takes to uh, resolve the speedy trial motion, or forgive me, resolve the suppression motion. So I file my motion to suppress. The court conducts a suppression hearing, say a couple, three, four, or five months later. Time is tolled the whole time. Um, and uh, after the hearing, they get, the court issues an order. Well, if I've done nothing else to toll time, well, time will pick right back up where it left off. So you can imagine, I just did this on a case the other day. I started at the top of my paper. I wrote down the date of arrest or service of summons when time would start. And then I counted the time to the arraignment, which was five days. And then I pled not guilty for my client. And there was another 30 or 45 days before we got to a pretrial. And then there was a snowstorm that occurred that the judge, the court itself, had to reschedule it because courts were closed that day. All right, what do we do with that? So I've asserted speedy trial. Um, things are tracking very nicely, and the prosecutors uh, got to get the case in in the appropriate time. And then all of a sudden, boom, we get a blizzard, and now the case has continued. Well, the court can issue an order in those situations that says, we hereby find that we had to do this, and it's going to toll time for purposes of speedy trial because it was an unforeseen act that had to occur. So that's another way a uh, speedy trial can be told. Uh, and then there's little mysterious ways it can be told. So, for instance, say I just file a demand for discovery. The, as soon as I file that demand, the prosecutor has a reasonable period of time to respond. Now, reasonable, it doesn't mean like one day and it doesn't mean like two years, it's something in between. Uh, but usually it's a few weeks before you get discovery. So time is told until you get discovery or they respond to your discovery demand. Well, uh, the, then time would pick right back up. Other things, if I ask for a continuance, if I'm the defense and I say, look, I just need more time to prepare, well, that's going to toll time. So the speedy trial time uh, during which my continuance is granted, uh, that will toll time. Uh, and then it, let's say, for instance, I, uh, I fire my lawyer. I'm a defendant and I, I just think, hey, my lawyer sucks. I should have hired Steve Palmer over at Yavich and Palmer or one of those fine attorneys there. Uh, but I didn't. I hired the competitor, and I, things aren't going well. The guy's not doing his job, doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, just doesn't, uh, you know, just doesn't make it simple. A little gratuitous there. Anyway, just doesn't doesn't break it down and make it simple. So I fire my lawyer, and I'm going to hire Palmer. Well, during the defendant's actions there will result in a tolling of the speedy trial because the defendant did it. So you can sort of get the idea that uh, just because you have a speedy trial and just because you assert it, there are lots of things that happen that can toll time. Now, it gets even more complex. Let's say the prosecutor uh, on the way to trial realizes, hey, look, I just can't get this done. The case is uh, going to be dismissed uh, without prejudice, meaning I can refile it later. What do we do about speedy trial then? Well, in theory, it picks up right where it left off. So if they refile and they've only got five days left, well, now they've only got five days left. But 
Um, sometimes it works better for the defense. There's some weird law. It's not weird when you get to the, the sort of the reasoning behind it or the policy behind it, but not everything I do in the first case, the defense does in the first case, rather, that was dismissed, will apply to toll time in the refiling. So just because I asked for continuances the first time around that told time doesn't mean those continuances apply to the speedy trial provision the second time around. Now, other things will apply, like motions to suppress, discovery, et cetera. That will apply. But things like a continuance and a time waiver for that won't. doesn't make much sense until you dig into it. I'm not going to go into the nuance of it, but suffice it to say, that's fact. Um, now, let's talk about other uh, what's going on, say, in the, in the case that Steve brings up. And this is more about the constitutional side of things, because what's happened in that case, the case originated in municipal court. So, you know, how's that? How can you have a felony in municipal court? You might ask, well, what happens is this. Um, The police see a felony committed or or witness a felony committed or have information a felony is committed. and They file a criminal complaint in municipal court. Now, municipal court doesn't have any jurisdiction ultimately over felonies. In other words, you're not getting a felony jury trial in municipal court. It just doesn't happen. It's got to be. It's got to happen in a common police court here in Ohio, anyway. So, uh, but it's filed in municipal court, and the first thing that happens is called an initial appearance. And think like Rooster Cogburn in uh, True Grit, and that one of those early scenes, he's testifying uh, against a guy that he apprehended. That uh, what's happening there uh, is sort of a collapsed initial appearance slash preliminary hearing, where they're determining whether they're going to keep holding the guy until um, the grand jury comes to town. So. Uh, let's say I'm charged in municipal court. Uh, they drag me to court. I get a chance at bond in municipal court, and then they schedule it for a preliminary hearing. At the preliminary hearing, the judge will decide, is there probable cause to, quote, bind somebody over? That is, send them over to common police court where they can finally adjudicate the case um, and, and charge them with a felony and have them indicted. Uh, now, if there's not probable cause, the judge will dismiss if there is probable cause, it'll get bound over. Now, does it matter if it gets dismissed? Eh, not really. Most of the time here in Ohio, anyway, the prosecutor will simply indict the case uh, in common pleas anyway. Um, but in the case that Steve is talking about, the defendant waived his right to a preliminary hearing. The case was bound over by agreement, pretty much, and uh, filed in common pleas court. That, he quotes, rule of superintendents 39, uh, triggered a rule of superintendents where they got to get the case indicted um, within 60 days. And if they don't within 60 days, then in theory, the judge should dismiss it. Well, that these are rules of superintendents. These are like local rules. These are rules that, that govern how the courts or the, the system wants the courts to work in Ohio. It doesn't necessarily mean that they can't do what they did here. That is, uh, no bill the case for further investigation. Um, just because it was no build and they've got that what they've said is there needs to be more investigation to get it indicted. They need more information. Now what does that mean? Say in a drug case, for instance, it means that they've sent the drugs off to the lab for testing, weight, uh, what's in it, content, and then it comes back with a report. So then they can prove the case. So they can prove that it was actually cocaine or prove that it was actually meth or whatever the substance is. Uh, that takes time. And if, uh, if, if there's no case pending, they got they can do that. That's investigative time. There's no case pending. The statutory speedy trial stuff is not happening because the case is dismissed or hasn't been indicted yet. So they can do that. Now, that sort of demands the next question, which is how long can they do that? Well, here's where you get into that weird constitutional realm of pre-indictment delay. 
Um, and this is a little bit different than speedy trial, but I'm going to cover it anyway. So pre-indictment delay means uh, it, the, the prosecution, the state has delayed the case before indicting it. They just dragged and dragged and dragged and waited and waited and waited. And I've had cases where for one reason or another, the the state of Ohio just or the prosecutor's office just forgets about it, loses it, sticks it in the file drawer. Um, maybe there's been a regime change in election. Who knows? But the case didn't get indicted for years. And then uh, whoever is looking through old files says, huh, look at this case. We forgot all about this one. We better get that indicted. So then they go to the grand jury and they indict it eight years later. And the defendant who thought... He had made it that he was free and clear. Maybe he's vacationing down in Texas or something, uh, or maybe even Mexico. He, he gets word that, wait a minute, you've been indicted. Uh, and he says, well, hold on. That case was dismissed or never got charged eight years ago. Now he's charged. Well, pre-indictment delay is a due process problem. And we have to look at it from due process, which is really to assess how much prejudice. In other words, how was the defendant harmed by the delay? Well, how do you do that? Well, here, here's what here's what I would look at. Are there witnesses that were essential to the case that are no longer around? People have died. Is there evidence that was essential to the case that has now been destroyed for one reason or another? Is there what what other facts and factors can I point to that would say if this thing would have been charged in a timely manner, say after six months, I would have been able to defend it this way? But because of the delay, I have lost my ability to defend it. And uh, therefore, that violates my due process rights to defend myself at trial. Uh, That is pre-indictment delay. Now, let's talk about after indictment. Um, Generally speaking, speedy trial rights, the statutory rights, will sort of track with the constitutional Sixth Amendment speedy trial rights. And uh, but, you know, if we're going to raise it, if I ever raised a speedy trial issue, I would say, uh, it violates Ohio and, and constitutional, Ohio statutory and uh, Ohio constitutional speedy trial rights and the United States constitutional speedy trial rights set forth in the Sixth Amendment that apply for you constitutional scholars to the state of Ohio and other states uh, through the 14th Amendment. Again, I'm not going to go into the weeds on that, but I'll simplify it this way. The Sixth Amendment applies to Ohio, and uh, they got to give you a speedy trial. It's generally protected by the high revised code statutory provisions. But as we said, the statutory provisions can be delayed for all sorts of reasons. So I, 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 I warned you at the beginning, this would get complicated, but generally speaking for Steve's question and, and the purposes of his question, the case is in no man's land. It is in no longer speedy trial land. It is in pre indictment delay land. And there may come a time where they wait too long. There may come a time where they, um, the, the state just doesn't get it done and they don't investigate and they don't get their evidence back. And it's just been years and the state and the defendant is prejudiced by it. Uh, so when he is eventually indicted, he can make a claim. Uh, or it may be that, you know, in two or three months, they, they get the lab reports back, whatever it is they wanted. Uh, and they indict it because they got the right evidence and then they can prove it. So why would they delay and not just, why is it no build in this case particularly? I'm going to speculate. I hate to speculate, but I'm going to do it right here on the show. And you're hearing it first from Lawyer Talk Q&A. I'm speculating that they know, the prosecutor that is, knows that it's going to take a while to get certain evidence back. And in this case, I think it involves some sort of chat or improper pictures and images sent to a minor horrible case. You know, one of these sex cases where somebody's soliciting underage girls. Um but uh, I, I think what's going to happen is that they need some sort of lab work. They need uh, maybe the forensic assessment of, uh, of uh, storage media 
that they seized in connection with the case. By that, I mean they probably uh, had a search warrant, went into the defendant's house, took a bunch of uh, hard drives, computers, et cetera. Maybe they took um, uh, routers, Wi-Fi stuff to, to check IP addresses, whatever they're doing scientifically. They send that off to a lab. Uh, sometimes it's most of the time, frankly, it's the state of Ohio's lab uh, over at BCINI, um, Bureau of Criminal Investigations, and Identification and Investigation uh, in London, Ohio, if you're curious. But anyway, they send it over there and their, their pros go at it and they, they come up with uh, whatever results that uh, they have that we followed this image with this IP address and this meta tag or metadata on it and it went through uh, the defendant's IP address so we know it's him, etc. Uh, that takes time and uh, there's lots of cases before it and they got to get those, through those because they got their own issues. And then once they get that back, they'll go back and present it to the grand jury. Now, if they were forced, if the state were forced immediately to go forward, it it would not be fair to the state, and I, I don't say this often because I hate the government. Everybody knows, and you know I hate it in a very healthy way. I would say, um, but here you can't expect the government to prosecute cases without giving them time or giving it time to develop the evidence it needs, and uh, so you can't just start running speedy trial before um, they have lab results back uh, because you know they, they need a reasonable opportunity to get the case tried or get the case developed and, and investigated and tried. So what they've done is they've told time. And uh, now that doesn't mean that it won't start right back up once uh, the case is indicted. It will. It doesn't mean that they're not subject to pre-trial or pre-indictment rather delays like we talked about under due process of the 14th Amendment. Uh, But it does mean that they've got a reasonable opportunity here to get their evidence together to develop the case. Um, Now, let's talk about one more thing and then I'll lay this to rest. I've exceeded my 10 minutes. I'm pushing 20, but I'm going to keep going anyway. Uh, I, I have a client who asked me recently, uh, well, if we go forward here, I want my speedy trial. I want to get this to court right away. Well, this is a complicated case. I'm not going into details, but there are like, I'll need like five experts. I'll need an investigation. I have to cross-examine uh, fact witnesses, state expert witnesses. I have to do my own investigative workup in order to do all of this. I've got charts, diagrams, sort of like the old Rodney Dangerfield, you know, throwing some throwing some charts and diagrams, making an A. I need to do all that in this case, and it's going to take time. And at the same time, um, your attorney, at least yours truly here, is busy. You know, we have other cases also in the pipeline, and we have to work on those at the same time. Um, so in this case, my client is not in jail. In other words, he's not sitting there in jail suffering while I delay and, and do my workup. Um and, and frankly, even if he were, I would say, look, man, if you want a complete, thorough, prepared trial, I, we just have to have more time. I, I, I'm working on schedules of experts, national experts, who also have their own lineup of, of cases they're working on. So you can't just expect a, a national expert to come to Columbus, Ohio within 90 days and be able to prepare a report, assess everything, and offer testimony. They're busy, too. So sometimes we just don't have any choice on the defense side but to go forward and um, – or go ahead and continue the case and prep it up. There are times, however, where, you know, schedule be damned, we're going we're gonna to assert speedy trial. And I do that in situations where I think it will benefit the defense. So say, for instance, I think that, uh, that the state will have problems getting the evidence together, or I know they've got a witness problem, or I know that um, uh, for some other reason the delay will benefit this, the defense and hurt the government's ability to prosecute it. And you could say that's gamesmanship, and I would say, well, you know, so be it. It's gamesmanship based on that pesky 
document that we wrote in 1787 and then uh, ratified in 1789, you know, the U.S. Constitution, Sixth Amendment. Um, I think the Bill of Rights actually came later. But anyway, the uh, the idea is they've got we've got rights and we've got precious few rights. And I'm going to rely on those and assert them when I can and when it helps the defense and when it doesn't help us. And in fact, when it hurts us, I'm going to waive some of those rights. And one of them would be speedy trial. And that can toggle both ways. Uh, depending on the the facts and circumstances of the case I defend. Well, with that, I have broached the 20-minute mark, so I'm going to wrap it up. This is Lawyer Talk Q&A, and that means that we are taking questions and I am providing answers. You get it? See the Q and then the A? Uh, It's funny how we did that. Uh, And what does that mean? That means if you've got a question and you know that you've listened to me on the Blitz for years and years and years and you haven't been able to get through, well, now you've got a forum to do it. Go to LawyerTalkPodcast.com, just like Steve did today and submit your question, and I will get to it. I can't promise I'm going to get to it right away. Trust me, I will, though. I'll do my best, and uh, we'll get it answered right here. Uh, that doesn't mean we've stopped the long-form roundtable discussions. With They are more vibrant than ever with Norm and Brett. Jared's on the mend and been back at least for one since his accident and expect him back uh, soon for a lot more. Uh, and those are the longer form, maybe politically charged, maybe uh, funny, maybe serious, maybe in the middle, who knows. But those are fun discussions. Please check those out, too. I've been calling that the round table, and uh, we will uh, we'll continue with that. And then finally, I do the legal breakdown series. Uh, I know the, the Rittenhouse uh, breakdowns I did uh, have uh, are still getting great. Uh, people are still downloading, downloading those left and right. So I've got more coming on that. So, uh, again, thanks for listening. This is Lawyer Talk Q&A, off the record, on the air, at least until now.